0: We got Macbeth as Dana Cowdor. We got King Duncan. We got Lady Macbeth. All this and more today on the Advanced English 11 podcast. We're going to run this down. We're going to see what happens. And we're going to look at some treachery. Treachery in Scotland. Coming up. Okay, Advanced English 11. Here we are once again. uh, Still in quarantine, aren't we? Um... Hopefully this will all end soon, blow over. I don't know, maybe I'm being too optimistic. Uh, I'd love to get back into the classroom though. This is wearing thin, but you do what you can. You listen to uh, the science, you listen to those at the provincial level, those making the decisions, and I guess uh, all we can do is just uh, just go with the trend. But um, for now, We keep this ball rolling. We're in week five. Um, Macbeth. Uh, So last week with Macbeth, we talked about the Scottish play. Talked about the superstition. Uh, With the superstition in the play, there was a lot of commentary about uh, the witches and and the design of the witching hour. And then we looked at that wonderful thing that the witches said. Fair is foul. Foul is fair. Now, a couple things you can jot down at the 2B level. Paradox. Uh, So that contradiction, that juxtaposition, is also known as a paradox. All right? There's a paradox when they speak those lines. So opposition or contradiction. Um, Being good, being bad. When the battle is won and lost. Again, paradox. So watch for paradox as we go. Uh, The other thing. That is a motif at 2B, which for um, the thematics which which i guess is is where you could uh you know take this a little further it, it it's that idea of uh hiding true intentions fair is foul to look good but be bad bad is good good is bad um and we're going to see that more so today with uh, a a wonderful quote we'll we'll see dunk Duncan say, uh, there is no art to find the mind's construction in the face. Okay. Uh, which is something that if you finished your act one, you came across, hopefully you took notice of it. Maybe not, but it has this, uh, it has this reoccurring thematic as well. So yeah, motif paradox, two things we're seeing, uh, and also the ambiguity of the scene and the ambiguity. the biguous idea of human nature, um, the unexpectedness of, of sometimes human actions and being unable, being being unable, sorry, to predict that. We're going to see that again today. I'm going to run through this really quick. Um, here's the reason why act one, because you're an advanced class, there's, there's, more than enough for you to dissect and, and take apart, but I'm just going to stick to some of the main aspects of it. Uh, I think I, I got a little uh, long-winded last week, so we'll see if we can cut that down. So here we go. Um, with Macbeth, uh, the last thing that we saw was they were coming to give him his, his basically uh, Ross and Angus were coming to tell him that, hey, you're the new thing to Cowdor. So we'll pick up there. So they come, tell him that Macbeth basically in an aside, which to be is another Shakespearean term, an aside, and a soliloquy is something that we'll see, but uh, an aside is when a character speaks on stage in the presence of other characters, but reveals the internal thoughts or the mind, okay? It's like they're speaking in their own head, but of course they have to say it out loud for the audience. So, you know, we're going to see... an aside uh, by Macbeth uh, in the context of, of this uh, because he's, he's shocked, but at the same time he starts to become ambitious and he'll, he'll think to himself, or I guess he'll, he'll say to himself, you know, um, could it, could it be true? And, gloms they nacaudor the greatest is behind basically those those two prophecies are, are, are accurate they 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 came true so the third prophecy could it come true could i be king and he starts to feel um the want so the ambition of, of receiving that title uh banquo even takes note of it too it's it's very strange you know that this is This is coming true and Macbeth will say two truths are told as happy prologues to the swelling act of Imperial theme two, two down, one to go, right? Macbeth and Banquo will go with Ross um, and Angus to meet Duncan. Duncan will uh, basically receive them in the next scene. He'll be asking Malcolm if the traitor has been, you know, put to death. Malcolm says, I, I heard that he has been and basically on his, his receiving his death, he repented his sins and he, he basically um, w- wished he, he didn't do what he did. So there's an idea there uh, of sort of thematics of um, you, you, you pay to play. That's contrapso." Uh, that's kind of an Italian term out of um there's a Latin term, I think. You'd have to look that one up. Contrapso. Uh C-O-N-T-R-A-P-A-S-S-O, I believe, off the top of my head. Um, but it's it's from Dante, if I remember correctly. Uh uh Dante Alighieri in the Divine Comedy used this theme. And he, he you could relate this at the three A level. He used uh it in the inferno uh, basically the inferno is dante and virgil are going through the the gates of hell and traveling through the various circles of hell and seeing all the sinners that are trapped in hell um paying for their sins so it's it's that idea of you pay to play basically if you commit sin you're going to pay for it so this traitor um you know, one way of thinking of it is, you know, this traitor wanted to uh, kill Duncan, wanted to uh, to overthrow his his army, and and you know, commit this act of treason. But in the end, all that he's going to lose is his head. He's going to lose his life, right? So that that's sort of contraso So Malcolm. Uh will be introduced as you know the Prince of Cumberland. He's he's the inheritance to the throne. He's he's the son of Malcolm is the son of Duncan. And Donald Bain is his other son as well. Uh Macbeth comes and, and basically he's going to invite uh Duncan and Malcolm, Donald Bain, you know, Ross, Angus, all those guys. He's gonna invite them to his castle for the night. Because they're, you know, on their way to Scotland. Uh, and uh, his castle is Castle Inverness. You might know that name if, uh, if you've ever been to Cape Breton. So there's that Scottish sort of connection. That's the name of the castle for um, Macbeth. So it's it's in Act 1, Scene 5 that we're introduced to Lady Macbeth. And Lady Macbeth's a true villain in this, you know. Uh, she She's unlike any other female character Shakespeare has created. She is rotten to the core. She receives memo, she receives a word letter from her husband detailing what's going to happen or what has happened to him. And immediately she's going to become just as ambitious and, you know, oh, so you've been told by prophecy you will be king. Well, you will be king. King that shall be, she says. Um, The idea there is that she's going to make sure of it. So the long and short of it is that over the next couple scenes, the king's going to be in Malcolm's home, and Lady Macbeth, or sorry, not Malcolm's home, but Macbeth's home, and Lady Macbeth and Macbeth are going to uh, create a plot uh, in order to to kill them, okay? Uh, and that includes Duncan, that includes Malcolm, Donald, that includes anyone who would get in the way of him becoming king. So, There's two ways to become king. One, inheritance. And the second, insurrection through regicide. Insurrection is to to overthrow a king. um, And regicide is to to kill the king. So this is what Macbeth is going to do. He's going to commit insurrection by regicide. Um, Skip ahead here a bit. So, oh, I forgot to mention this line. I'm just going to go back uh, a bit. Where um, Act 1, Scene 4, Duncan will say uh, when they tell him about this traitor um, that they put to death, the, the previous Cawdor. Duncan says, you know, there's no art to find the mind's construction in the face. Sometimes when you look at someone, you can't discern their actions or their true intentions. It, it's only when it happens is that revealed. And how true is that, right? We can take that at probably a 3B level and you can talk about times when you ex, you expect the, un, the unexpected happens and sometimes a person that you trusted you no longer will trust or someone really surprises you for their actions. That's exactly what he's talking about. And this is going to, again, come up in the next scene here as in act one, scene five, Lady Macbeth and Macbeth are are going to be, uh, talking and, uh, Lady Macbeth is going to say to, um, her, her husband that we're going to take care of this. We're going to make sure you're, you're, King, we're gonna take Duncan out. And she'll say, Your hand, your tongue look like the innocent flower, but be the serpent under it. So if you can use you know, two to be visual imagery here, and um think of a flower, this beautiful flower, you lean down to pick it, and underneath the flower is a king cobra that comes out and snatches you and bites you. That's what she's saying. So that idea of deception at 2B, okay? And, and so there's a thematic here of loyalty, too, and, and, and being disloyal. All right. So uh, moving on. Act 1, scene 6. In Act 1, scene 6, we see just this conversation between Duncan, Banquo, um, Lady Macbeth. Basic, basically, the idea here is Lady Macbeth is the one that welcomes them to the castle, uh, and Macbeth's not there. Uh, and, and she'll say that, you know, uh, all our service and every point twice done and then done double, um, for your majesty loads in our house. Think of it this way. Imagine if somebody that was really, really important was invited to your house for supper. Um, probably, As a household everyone that's living there would invest some time into cleaning it making it look extra nice imagine if this person was so important that not only did you clean the house but you cleaned it twice you cleaned it and then you went over and made sure it was really really clean and that's what lady miff is saying all our service our entire household our servants everyone in this castle has done not just everything for you but twice over for you. Now this is a play on words, so it's a pun at 2a, Um, and there's foreshadowing here because what's going to transpire is they're going to kill Duncan, spoiler alert, but they're going to kill Duncan there, uh, and they're going to kill him with um, two, two daggers. So if you read that line again, all our service, in every point twice done, then done double. So this is a line that only people would pick up a second time seeing this. Um, and if, if we were in school, I'd show you the, the I'd say, look at the cover of your book, and what do you think Macbeth's gonna do? And, and on the cover, it's Macbeth there with the daggers. Okay? So th- there's a pun there. Uh, act 1, scene seven. So the end of act one. Um, Macbeth and, uh, Lady Macbeth are are basically talking. Uh, he, he, he doesn't know if he can do it. She'll be the one to convince him. She'll be the one that'll say, what, are you not man enough? Um, I would do anything for you. In fact, she'll go as so far as to say, If we had a child and I was breastfeeding that child in this motherly way, she'll say, I have given suck and know how tender tis to love the babe that milks milks me. She doesn't have a child, by the way. I would, while it was smiling in my face, have plucked my nipple from the boneless gums and dashed the brains out. So sworn as you have done to this. Basically, I am so loyal to you that if I said I would do anything for you, I would. As so far as to take a baby that was ours off of me while breastfeeding and beat its brains in right that's how loyal I am, so that's quite a quite a comparison uh quite a ghastly image. this stuff is in there for the groundlings, okay they love this stuff um a violent it was a violent time violent society right so Macbeth says, what if we fail? Lady Macbeth says, fail? There is, you know, there is no fail. You know, dismiss that from your brain. There's no such thing as failure. So she's like, uh, very clear in her convictions. Okay? Um, And Lady Macbeth is going to actually play a huge role in this plot. And she kind of concocts this 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 idea. She says, um, "When Duncan is asleep, whereto to rather shall his day's hard journey soundly invite him? His two chamberlains, his two guards, will I with wine and wassail, so convince the memory, of the warden of the brain, shall be fume and receipt of reason of lineback only." What that means is she's going to uh, get the two guards drunk and have her way with them to distract them while he goes into the room and kills Duncan. All right, Act 2. Act 2, Scene 1, still in Inverness. We have Banquo with Phelance, uh here in a conversation. Uh, Fleance is his son, okay? And this just establishes the time of day and the witching hour, which is where the murder is going to happen. Uh, so there in conversation, Macbeth comes out. He talks to Banquo. He basically says... Uh, Banquo says, I've been thinking a lot about the Three Weird Sisters lately. Macbeth lies and says, Oh, no, they're not even on my mind, but maybe we'll talk about it later, you know? Uh, so she shows the, that idea of, you know, he's lacking ambition, but he's not, he's full of ambition. Um, when Macbeth is alone now on stage, uh, so he will have hallucinations. He will see a dagger appear three times. They do this really nice in the theater where they'll drop it from the top of the scaffolding on the stage overhead and then pull it up every time he goes to reach for it. So you're gonna hear this like, if you're listening to the BBC version, you'll hear there's like little musical cue during this scene. That's the dagger appearing and then disappearing and then appearing and then disappearing. Okay, so remember, it'll happen in threes. Uh, which is very important in uh, this play. The idea here is that uh, something is on his mind. Obviously, if he's hallucinating, uh, he has a guilty conscience. He ends it though by kind of pushing that all aside, and he says, uh, "When the bell chimes, like the 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 midnight bell, the witching hour, I go and it is done. The bell invites me here, not Duncan, for." It is now that summons thee to heaven or to hell. Basically, he's going to go through with it. Act 2, scene 2. We're still in Inverness. This time, Macbeth, Lady Macbeth uh, are plotting to do the deed, to do the murder. Uh, she gets the guards drunk. She takes the daggers, puts them on the bed right next to Duncan, considers killing Duncan, but it looks too much like her father. Uh, her, her, Her father who... Uh, has passed, Um, so she can't do it. She comes out of the room, meets Macbeth. She's saying, it's all waiting. It's ready for you. The guards are out. Do it now. Um, So Macbeth goes in, and Macbeth uh, cries out. Like, he, he shouts as he does it, as he starts to stab you know, which is, is interesting. Um, so Macbeth doesn't even realize he did this, which shows us that he's not in the right frame of mind. Um, so the idea is that his son is sleeping next door and may have heard this, right? Macbeth looks down at his hands, and his hands are covered in blood. When he comes out of the room, right, obviously because he has the daggers. And this is the thing: he kills Duncan, stabs Duncan with the two daggers, and walks out with the two daggers in his hands, all covered in blood. And he's like in the middle of the hallway, after crying out loud. So she's like, "What are you doing?" Um, Macbeth will start to. And you'll hear this when you're listening to the BBC version. They do it really well. Macbeth will start to kind of ramble on that the guard was there, and he's drunk, right? The guard was there, drunk, and watching him, conscious, watching him, and and saying, Murderer. Macbeth murders sleep. Right, so this drunk guard is watching him stab a sleeping Duncan, and saying Macbeth is murdering sleep, and that's something that comes up again and again because um, once this happens, nobody will sleep easy anymore. Uh, Macbeth will further say that the, the guards even uh, were talking to each other as he was, you know, murdering him. Now, obviously, they're drunk. Um, Lady Macbeth will say, give me the the daggers, because she'll say, go put the daggers back in the room. He'll say, I'm not going back in there. Um, And he, he says, I'll go no more. I am afraid to think what I have done. Look on again, I not dare. She says, infirm of the purpose. She's like, give me those daggers. I'll do it. She goes back in the room. Okay? Uh, And when she comes out, she sort of has this look on her. And they usually, when they do this on stage, uh, she has a look. uh, And it's a look... um, A look that she is—she's changed. She's damaged. Basically, she sees what he did, and she can't—she can't, you know, unsee it. Um, and she'll come out with her hands covered in blood, and she'll say, "My hands are of your color, but I shame to wear a heart so white." And then there's this knocking. There's this, you know, knocking going on. I hear knocking at the south entry, retire to our chamber. We'll see what that is in a minute. A little water clears us up of this deed, she'll say. She'll say, come on, let's go. Let's wash this off. Let's. A little water clears up of this deed, as if just a little water is going to, to make it all better. Okay, It's going to, one, yes, erase the blood, but it cannot erase the image from the mind. So they hear more of this knocking, which is what you'll see where the knocking is is coming from uh, in the next scene. Um, And Macbeth at the very end of the uh, uh, scene, it's a wonderful line. He says, wake Duncan with thy knocking. I would though couldst is showing us that maybe he wishes he didn't do this. You know, so like the idea. You're you keep knocking that loud, you're gonna wake Duncan. You can't wake him up because he's dead, but yet on the other hand, he wishes he could. Um that brings us to act two scene three. It's the porter scene, the drunk porter scene. The the porter is, is basically the one who's who's guarding um the castle. But you know, not very good guard because he's He's like drinking late at night. There's nothing to do. Uh, And there's this knocking outside at the doors. And basically the the drunk Porter scene serves to pretend like this Porter's drunk. So he's pretending like he's guarding the gates of hell and the people knocking at the door, the people coming uh, into uh, hell. So it's kind of a silly scene. Uh it's a better scene that if we listen to it in class, I think I could explain it a little bit more. I'm just not gonna do all the explanation here, but what we see is Macduff and Lennox. these are um guards and uh, like higher up guards of you know generals and such of 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 the king and uh they're 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 coming uh to the castle um and Uh, the Porter's scene really just reflects, um, some needed humor for the groundlings and even for the sophisticated audience. So it's nothing that we have to go in depth on. You can, if you want, it's, it's mostly, it's just all sexual, uh, humor, um, and debauchery for, for the groundlings. I'm just going to skip it for now but you can kind of go into that more if you want it's, it's actually really interesting it's quite funny but uh, i'm just going to leave it off for for now uh, but you know just to give you a summary of as to what it would be it, it, he's just talking about you know sexual performance um the effects of sexual performance uh because of drinking so macbeth uh it, you know comes out to greet them uh Basically, is is the king awake? And Macbeth says, "Oh, not yet. He's sleeping in." Uh, Macbeth says, "He he told me to come early and and, and you know to get him. Uh, it's kind of funny that he's he's not awake yet." Um and he's like, "Well, he had a long night." <laughs> you know, so all these like subtle like <coughs> puns. Excuse me. Um, even Macbeth says. Uh, is Lennox will say goes the king hence tonight the king is leaving tonight right he's like he does he did a point so, so a point again back to the daggers um uh, they talk about the night i guess it was a it was a nasty night uh and this plays into the superstition because there was a storm last night and rain and and lightning and all that but even uh Really uh, odd things happened, um, like the earth was shaking uh, and some stories are going around, stories of death, uh, things like that, which we'll, we'll, we'll see in um, in another uh, part where they talk about the horses and what happened to the horses that uh, through the middle of the night. And these are the king's horses, by the way. We'll see that coming up. Uh, so what we're going to see is, um, I'll just, I'm just going to end this scene and then leave you guys with the rest. But what we see is they, they go to wake the King. They find that he's dead and immediately they have to investigate it. They call everybody down to, to the, the court and there's no suspicion. You know, suspect of, of Macbeth and his wife immediately, even she like plays it off. She faints when she hears it. So they all tend to her. Uh, but she, she, you know, that's just an act of distraction. Um, and basically what happens is Donald Bain and Malcolm realize that someone has killed their father and they fear their own lives. So they do not trust any of these men. All these men that have been locked in this castle are all men of the king. They're all supposed to be loyal to the king. So immediately these two don't trust any of them. So what they decide to do, they decide to flee. Now that might sound funny because, you know, what's going to happen if you flee a murder scene? uh, You're going to look like the guilty party. So they decide that they're going to split up. Because they're both central to inheritance of the throne. Malcolm is to be king next, and if something should happen to him, then it would be Donald Bain. So the two of them flee. One, um, so they're they're in Scotland right now. One will um, will flee to Ireland. Okay. Um, and the other will will flee to England. So the idea is that they're going to uh, go their separate ways and, and and break up in order to keep um, keep the throne safeguarded. But the interesting thing is is what that does that shows their guilt even though they had nothing to do with it 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 presumes their guilt and it now leaves a clear path for Macbeth because if the two of them are no longer around then the throne would go to the next highest rank which is Thanecowder so that's how Macbeth's going to become king but it shows already it's going to show that they might have something to do with it, even though we know they don't. All right, guys, so that, that's 30 minutes. I think that's long enough uh, talking about Macbeth. I, I set you up with Act 2. I'll finish Act 2 with you um, next week on the podcast. You you do me a favor. You uh, investigate it in some more detail. Go through the BBC, and walk through it, the wonderful play that's done there. Uh, when you're doing those quotes... What you have to do, remember, is I give you sort of an English translation, you just have to find the Shakespearean equivalent, and those are all in chronological order. So that should make it a little easier. There's questions provided for you for the week as well, and obviously your annotations. So I hope you guys uh, all have a good day, a good weekend, Uh, if we get some more sunshine and Some nice days, get out there and get some fresh air. Uh, Stay uh, healthy and happy, and uh, see you back here uh, next week. All right, peace.